podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. And this is a very special Danny Batten Fight Show Extra, as I'm joined by somebody you will have heard a lot about on the live shows we've done recently with various British fighters naming their uh, greatest pound-for-pound fighter of all time in recent weeks, and uh, none other than what many will describe as the greatest MMA fighter of all time. It is one championships, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me, and I am good. Just join us beautiful Friday before the weekend kicks off, and can't complain. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wild few years for you, really. You were you were part of that swap deal, which just shot rocked the MMA world, really. When uh, you left the UFC to go to one championship with uh, obviously Ben Askren went the other way, and uh, I guess something which has kind of interested me, and I've thought about a lot over that period, is kind of how that came about. Because it is so unheard of, um, and I really was just wondering if you'd be able to tell me a bit about that, how it came about, and because to us on the outside, it seemed really shocking, really sudden. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I just... Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, it happened. It was something that uh, um, the the UFC one championship were able to make happen, and obviously, um, you know, after my last fight with, you know, here we Hudo, <clears throat> I felt like there was nothing left for me to, to accomplish um, in, in North America. Um, and I know I'm on my last couple of years of my fight career. So I, I just wanted to be able to explore different options. And, you know, now fighting for one championship over in Asia, Singapore, Thailand, just all over Asia. It's always been a dream of mine because I think every athlete, whether it's a basketball player um, football player, they always don't compete in, you know, North America. They've also competed in uh, Canada. Um, some a buddy of mine that I work out with at the gym where we do strength conditioning, he wants to go over and play in Italy. He was like, I really want to go play overseas. That's something I want to do before my career is over. So it, it was something like for me <clears throat> to uh, check off my bucket list is to, you know, fight overseas. And, you know, it was just worked out perfectly that Ben Askren, he's only one of the fight in the UFC, have his chance to try to compete with the best in the world over North America. And he has opportunities. So it worked out for both parties. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, ultimately, I think it's worked out, certainly from a UK point, point of view, um, we're much more aware of kind of one championship. They've got um, a deal with Sky Sports as well, which is one of the, you know, the biggest sports broadcasters over here. Um, and you can now watch that you know, one, the one championship shows on there, which you weren't able to do now. Um, so that's had a big impact, just in terms of the growth of the organisation, I think, as well. Because obviously, look, you, there's, no, uh, there's no beating around the brush. You were on this incredible run from sort of October 2011 to August 2018. And it was just, like you seemed like this unbeatable force. And like you said, you didn't really have anything further to achieve there. So... You know, if you can go and travel the world and fight in some different places, I think, why not? Um, and I mentioned your sort of your famous uh, undefeated streak in that period because we've talked about it a lot on our podcast recently and Michael Chiesa mentioned it uh, recently, like the pressure on fighters to perform at that highest level. And obviously, you went through a long period, frankly, looking unbeatable. Like, how difficult is it to be 
the guy and the guy who's immaculate and turns up, destroys everyone, never loses. That has to have kind of take a toll on the mental side of things as well as the physical side. I say it takes a more uh, toll on the physical side because for me, when I'm not getting ready for fights or I'm not in the gym, I don't even think about fighting. I don't even, my life doesn't evolve around fighting. You walk through my whole entire house and you won't see one accomplishment, not one championship belt. You won't see any of that stuff. So when I'm at home, it's it's family life. Like I woke up this morning. No, what was it? Yeah, yesterday I uh, Wednesday night I was with my son. He was riding dirt bikes. I was riding two. And then Thursday morning I was in the backyard scrubbing my Traeger grill. Like my life outside of the gym is literally like our normal citizen, which everybody I'm sure everybody else life is. But there's not one accomplishment here. So when I was on that long reigning streak of you know. Uh, depending on my belt, it, it, it's it's my job. You know, I, I show yeah. up to the gym, I clock in and I clock out. When I go to, you know, my fight week, I clock in and I clock out. That way there's not a lot of mental pressure on, you know, I always tell myself I'm going to do the best, best, my best ability, do my best job. That's all you can do because I've had my fights where I thought, you know, I was uh, unbeatable before I even became champ when I fought Brad Pickett. I never thought I'll lose a fight. Like I remember after I lost, uh, the semifinals in my state championship in, uh, in the wrestling, the state championship in wrestling, I said, I'm not going to let another man beat me or break me. And then when I bought Brad Pickett for the first time and I broke my hand the first round and he ended up beating me, I was devastated. And I was like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> so I, I've had that feeling. I was like, but, you know, I, I came back home, had a broken hand, got surgery, went back to my work, went back to, to work. And I was like, well, this is just part of life. And then when I lost Diamond Cruise, it happened again. And then I started a contract and I went back to work. Well, I didn't go back to work after Diamond Cruise. Um, so, you know, the losses and, and wins and the mental pressure, it, it's going to happen, but you can't let that affect your life. Like, you got to find other things to, um, you know, fill, your, fill, fill that gap so we don't even think about it. Yeah, I find that, I find that really interesting because um... – I do a couple of different shows, and one of the shows I do is mental health in sport, and we've talked to <clears throat> athletes uh, from around the world just about the pressures of sport and sometimes the sort of darker side that people can fall into trying to deal with that pressure. And um, one of the things I found really interesting then is you said, like, you haven't got any of your many, many accomplishments around the house, which is obviously when you do see, uh, like, Instagram posts or videos of fighters, you often do see they've got like a wall dedicated to their titles or, you know, their trophies from, from wrestling and things like this. Is, is there any particular reason why you haven't got that stuff displayed or is it just literally because fighting's your job and when you're home, it's all about family and stuff? You know, I, I don't under, I don't know why I don't have it displayed. It's just something I just don't, it's not, it's not, it's, I'm still in the midst of my career. Right. I'm still working. It is my job and I love it. And I have a passion for it, but it, I'm still in the middle of my career. So, I mean, I think when I'm done fighting and it's all over, done and said, <clears throat> then I'll discipline because then when I look at it, I'll like, uh, it'll bring back the memories of all the things that I've accomplished in my sport. But as of right now, I just don't see a reason to. Right. And it's just like, like you said, that pressure, it's out of sight, out of mind. Like I get more, um, satisfaction on like solving problems in in my game of fighting but i don't need to see my belts and all my accomplishments 
uh, on the wall or whatnot. And that's just, and that's just how I deal with it. Like with the mental side of it, like, honestly, I don't even think about fighting until I have to get rid of her fight or when it's time for me to go to gym and train. Cool. I like that attitude. I think um, that's a phenomenal way to just to, to think about things and deal with things. Um, and you mentioned obviously that is the way you deal with stuff and that's how you helps you deal with the mental side of things. You came into one championship, you had a, a really you know a hot streak, you won three in a row, you won the flyweight Grand Prix. Obviously, uh, you had the most recent fight for the championship, which didn't go your way. Um, and it was also the first time that you've ever been stopped as a professional. So like, how, is that another hurdle to deal with? And do you deal with it any differently to those losses that you mentioned earlier in your career? No, I mean, it, it's definitely, I, I said, <laughs> I was my buddy, it was like, the only thing that's going to be hard now is like when I go fill out my board, was like, have you ever been TKO'd or knocked out? I'm like, yes, I've fucking been TKO'd and knocked out. So I, I kind of chuckle about it, but it's, it's part of this, it's part of the sport, right? The long, like the longer you do this sport, it's bound to happen. And how many times I've, I've competed and all the athletes I competed in, uh, not competed, competed against. And, you know, it wasn't like I went out like, blacked out like i've been i've had i've been hit harder that makes sense i've been hit harder in fights um and i've also been knocked out like out cold from snowboarding before so i've been like blacked out when i wake up i'm like what the fuck what what happened right it wasn't one of those it was like i remember the knee hitting and then i remember it was numb and I remember the, the follow-up shots. And then right when, you know, Olivier, you know, got on top of me, I was like, God damn it. And I was like, all right, I know what happened. Let me get up. And he goes, no, take it down. I was like, I'm, I'm fine. And that's like, I've been knocked out hard. I've, I've been knocked out hard from snowboarding. And then I've been hit harder. So when, and it's, it's part of the sport. Like I came home, nothing changed. Uh, went back to, you know, cleaning and do what I usually do around the house. And life goes on, you know, and yeah. that's, and that's the biggest I try to tell athletes that, life goes on things things happen you know um jump back on my stream started streaming again and now i'm sitting here healthy chilling having a good time and waiting for the next one to get back to fight like i said it's a job for me like it's it's my job i show up i fight i win or lose draw whatever it may be come home lifestyle has changed mindset didn't change because i have an end goal i have a goal where i'm trying to reach to and then that's all that matters to me Gotta ask you, are you, uh, are you good at snowboarding? It's no joke, that is. My friend, uh, he did snowboarding and skiing for a while. And uh, when he was only about 18 or 19, he went skiing uh, and he just basically did a cartwheel, but without his hands. And he broke, <laughs> and broke all his neck. And uh, it was just like frightening, it's got to say. It, it, it's funny because I, I don't snowboard anymore. Um, just because there are certain things about snowboard I, I didn't like. And obviously when my career became more uh, important than me learning how to snowboard, I kind of put snowboard in it back. Yeah. And so, but now I'm starting to get in the right dirt bikes and it's probably the hardest and most dangerous sport I've ever been around. And seeing that it intrigues me. Like I watch more dirt biking shit than I do mixed martial arts stuff. Because for me to see an athlete manipulate the motorcycle, not manipulate, but ride and dance on the motorcycle or jump in the air and whip it and how you pick your line and how you go through the rut and all that stuff and how they play with the lever and the clutches and the brake and feathering the motor and raising the RPMs. Like I find it all fascinating. Like 
I just get fascinated by it. But now that my youngest, my oldest son is starting to ride it, do dirt biking, he went off a jump the other day and a kid went off the jump too and landed on him. I'm like, what the fuck? The kid just landed on him, right? And so it's so dangerous. So, and you know, there's people who've broken their neck, there's people who've died from it, but I'm just so intrigued by it and, and like just in awe about it because for me, it's just like, it, it reminds me when I started doing mixed martial arts is that there's so many details in mixed martial arts that when it comes to space, timing, weight distribution, are, are you overextending? Is this person um, off balance? Like it's all those things that I find in dirt biking that find me fascinating. That makes me want to learn how to ride a dirt bike and master it. Like that's, um, sorry, I went on a tangent there, but no, that's no, like what I'm that's what my and that's why I think it's that's why I think it keeps you mentally healthy and mentally sane away from you know uh fighting because if I sit here I'm like oh man why did this happen why did this happen why did this happen I'm like well that happened it is what it is it didn't pass I'm healthy I'm ready to fight again let me know when I fight again I'll work on some stuff when it's time for me to fight but now let's switch our focus over to this like how's this person able to hit that corner and into that berm and feather his clutch and also give her just enough braking that way his steering wheel doesn't turn left and lean the bike and kick his leg out. And that I just, I just, I, I literally, that's where my mind goes to when I start watching dirt biking videos. Like when I watch MMA, I'm just like, mm, okay, well that guy's longer. So he has a reach advantage and da, 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 But yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You could see, uh, you could see the excitement in just in the way you're describing it and talking about it. Like, uh, again, I've got a couple of friends whose children do it. I got to say, I find watching my, I got three teenage boys and I find them, I find watching them do any sort of sport or like stuff which is physical, I find that way more stressful than if I was doing it myself. Like, is that how you feel as well? Like, I'm a, like if you were doing some dirt biking or you're watching your son do some dirt biking, are you stressing out more about him than you are if you were doing it? No, not anymore because he's putting the work in. He he's he's putting the work in. I see he has a true passion for it. And once he says, and I'm always I'm chilled, like I'm just a chilled pickle. Like once he says, "Hey, dad, I'm done." I'm like, "Okay, you're fucking done." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like you're done. Like I'm not gonna force anybody to do something. I'm not gonna force my children or anybody to do something that they don't want to do, right? Yeah. And I I feel the same thing for me. Like when I'm ready to stop fighting, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm done fighting," and then I'll be on to something else in life, right? So, um. You know, somebody told me this in a long time. This is one of the things that have always stuck with me that Dana White has said. He says, fighting is a short amount of career. He goes, fighting is a short part of your life. Very short part of your life. He goes, you make as much money as you want and you get the hell out. You go find something else to do. And it wasn't just me he told that to him. He told it to a room full of fighters. And that's always stuck with me. Like throughout my, my entire life, there's been things that people say to me that really resonate with me and I hang on to. And those, and that's something too, not just with fighting, but just with, you know, any, anything you do in life, whether it's, well, game is, I mean, I'll be game until like five, five, 95 years old, but mm-hmm. for, you know, dirt biking, it could be a very short part of time or time's career as him trying to become a professional, if that's something he wants to do. Of course, yeah, 100%. Um, so, okay, I wanted to ask you a quick couple of questions then before um, we play a little game to finish off. But um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned there, maybe you don't necessarily watch loads and loads of MMA, but I wondered if you were sort of aware of any British fighters coming through or British flyweights coming through that you think could do some sort of some big things in one of the major companies. 
to be honest with you, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not, I am, I, like I said, you just answer that question yourself. I don't watch much mixed martial arts whatsoever. Um, and I really didn't watch this. I watched, I think the point in time when I watched a lot of mixed martial arts was when I was working full time, watching WEC, UFC, um, a little pride here and there, but I literally do not pay attention to the landscape. Um, but on that note, I think there's anybody in the world if they're given the right opportunity and the right, the right training camp and the right mindset and the right coaching can make a splash in any organization in the world. Like it doesn't take, you know, like fighting's fighting. Anything can happen in a fight. Right. It's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's fighting. Interesting. There's um there's a guy called Jake Hagley, uh, who's just signed up for the most recent uh, contender series. Who's uh, he's undefeated and he's been cage warriors champion and, EFC champion in South Africa, and he um, he looks really special. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he develops. Now he's sort of made that step across to uh, America and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, another conversation which came up recently on our uh, podcast was the um, MMA at the Olympics. Um, obviously, we've seen many martial arts and combat sports at the Olympics recently. Um, firstly, do you see that ever happening and what kind of amendments do you think would need to be made for it to be allowed to happen? And also, do you want it to happen? Honestly, you know, I don't know if, you know, it hasn't really piqued my interest to have mixed martial arts in Olympics. It's just like when you, you, you ask me that question, I'm digesting it now, and this is what's coming out of me. Do I think MMA needs to be in the Olympics? For me, I don't, I don't really know. I think you have boxing, you have judo, you have wrestling. You pretty much have every karate, every art form in there. So I feel like if you throw mixed martial arts in there, I think everybody's going to be a little confused. Right. Because even though mixed martial arts is still in its infancy stage, it's been around for a very, very long time. I think a lot of people will get confused. Um, I, I think I'd rather see Muay Thai in the Olympics, but Muay Thai is, is so brutal. Mixed martial arts is so brutal. Right. I mean, it's mixed martial arts, I feel, is the combination of all the art forms coming together and see who's the best and what art form is going to beat that art form or whatever. And now, like, you're just it, – it, I feel like MMA is just too, like, like, just – it's more like, you know, there's just – there's stuff in MMA that you, you can use that you just wouldn't – I don't know. Like, I, when I think of MMA, it's like I'm going there to destroy this person. Like, I'm going to go in there. If he's pushing on my face, I'm going to put my hand around his throat and push his throat up and ga- – no, I don't know. I'm just I, – yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, when I see – when people say mixed martial arts in Olympics, I'm like, okay, if, if, if you want an Olympics, you can be in Olympics. I, do I need to be in Olympics? I don't care if it is or not. Cool. And um, also, I wanted to ask, uh, like, what was the biggest adaptation you had to make in when you moved from the UFC to one championship? Was there anything in particular which was difficult to deal with, or was it a pretty smooth transition? I mean, it was a smooth transition. I think as an athlete standpoint, it's just the travel. The travel is long. Like, we're about to go over there. My buddy's about to go over there and make his pro debut. Uh, this would be his, like, pro debut in a big organization. Um, the travel um, is a big thing. And now traveling during COVID, when we get over there, we're locked up. 
So that's, that's a huge thing we have to deal with. And, um, and obviously the weight cutting, there's no more weight cutting. So now fine at 135 is, you know, easy to make that weight in the hydration. But other than that, th- those are the biggest thing. Like, you know, that, that those are the biggest things. Excellent. And then when uh, you mentioned about you haven't got a, maybe a great deal of time left as a, as a, as a fighter, which I hope is not the case, but obviously, as you said, it's a short window. Um, I'd like to know, will you ever write a, a book or an autobiography about your life? Because it seems like you've achieved so much and you must have some inc- incredible stories to tell. Yeah, I, me and my buddy have thought about it. And we started to we started actually to, you know, write and put some, you know, pen to paper. Um, but I, I wasn't in the mindset. And I just wasn't really motivated to kind of tell my life. Because once I'm done, I just want to be... Like then I then once I'm done with my career and I look back on it, then I'll say it. Then I'll be ready to to I guess you say publish it and talk about it and talk about you know the ins and out and like my mental capacity of me going into fights and how I dealt with losses, how I dealt with wins when you're you know you're on you know eight fight win streak, eight fight consecutive title defenses. You show up every single time. You make weight. You might show up this time you got to cut eight and a half pounds before you go out and fight. And then when you, after you make 125, you got go out there and fight at a high, high, very, very, very high, um, you know, output. Like, yeah, that'd be something good to, you know, to, to share with everybody and the difference of, you know, it was funny when I was in, um, I went to Vegas and I was sharing with Kevin Lee and Jake Shields and Misha Tate was there and her husband, uh, fiance, Johnny and, all these athletes and I'm going with uh, Kevin Lee and I'm like, this is why they have weight classes, Kevin. You're so fucking big and you're so strong. And I look at him, I'm like, you know, sometimes I forget how big these athletes are. Like you see them on TV and I, and I fought on the same card as Kevin Lee, but I remember grappling with them. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're so big. Like, I can't believe you made 155. He goes, yeah, baby. And I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're so big. And then even Jake Shields grappling with him, like what a world-class grappler. And, you know, there's a reason why they have weight classes. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'm sure I will, but it's not on, it's not on my list that I need to do where it's like, write it before I die. Yeah. It's not on my list. It's like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it's, I'm not going to worry about it. That's cool. Um, okay. Lastly, um, what I do some in with the, the, uh, my guests each week is called the one word game. Basically, I just uh, give you eight names from the world of combat sports, and you just say the first thing which comes to mind. Uh, is that cool? Okay. Yep. So, okay. Uh, number one, jo- John Dodson. <laughs> uh, the magician, but he, he's the person he's, who has hit me the hardest in my career. Okay, cool. Uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, the best. He's the best commentator. I love his output. I love his honesty. And I love how it really is. Uh, Khabib? No, it's one of the best. Yeah. I love how honest he is. I just saw his article about Josie Aldo. He goes, <laughs> he goes, Josie Aldo, second peak. No. You put him in against Peter Yan, he, get, he gets destroyed. You put him against Pedro Munoz, he's good. And what he speaks is very true. It's, you know, there comes a point in time when an athlete, you're not peaking, but you're, you're in a rhythm. And when you go against a guy who's high caliber, sometimes you can't compete with that high caliber. And it's just styles make fight. You know, it's, it's just different. Excellent. But the best, the, the eagle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dana White. Uh, he's legit. 
I, I respect his honesty and how he is about going about his way. He doesn't care what people think. Like when somebody is like, hey, what do you feel about this? And he goes, you think I give a fuck what they're doing? <laughs> Dude, honestly, and I was like, I was like, well, I mean, at least you're saying that. Yeah. Uh, Henry Cejudo. Uh, Triple C. Tyson Fury. The gypsy, uh, Tyson Fury. Yeah, the gypsy. Uh, Jake and Logan Paul. Uh, YouTube stars making good money in fighting and being some fighters. That's it. And uh, and then finally, uh, Conor McGregor. The notorious. You know, here's the thing. Everybody keeps talking about his legacy, right? Like for me, his legacy moves above the octagon, right? Name another athlete that's been able to come into mixed martial arts and make as much money as him and also have, uh, you know, his own liquor, uh, his own clothing brand, uh, his own, he's been able to do, he's been able to do what I feel like no athletes, what no athletes been able to do. And the reason why I think like I'm seeing that is because I, I read it. I was watching Dr. Murray on, um, uh, on rappers like Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, um, all those guys and they would rap and they would love to rap. But then once they made all their money rapping, they went off and did other things that they really, really want to do. Like Dr. Dre has beats and he has all these other things and he's collaborating. Look at Jay Z. Jay Z made all this money from rapping his passion. Now he's doing other things. So I feel like Connor, he goes and he fights, he makes all this money from fighting. And he was like, hey, what? I want to have a pub. And then I think he's just, he's just opening his pub. So I see his legacy outside of Octagon being portrayed now let's say everybody's like oh he's ruining his legacy because he keeps taking these fights and he's losing who gives a fuck everybody loses <laughs> right it's like yeah, now if sure. he loses all these fights does all these big things with his money and creates this long lasting legacy and then he ends up broke 30 for 30 then it's like okay then that's like oh fuck what happened <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. But, fight, but 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 fighting and winning and losing is part of the game like when now when i look at athletes and they lose i'm like oh he sucks or he lost i'm like he lost what's next <laughs> did very quickly did he help or hinder other fighters in terms of other fighters being paid more what they're worth or more i've often wondered that or do you think he had no impact on what other fighters get paid only no unless they're fighting I think him, obviously I think he's made a, uh, I think he's shown uh, fighters to know their worth. Uh, I think he's also helped a lot of fighters get to new part of stardom. Um, I think he's helped a lot at athletes in, I think he's helped a lot more athletes than uh, in, neg negatively impacting, uh, impacting mm. them. Right. Like, you know, I can't sit there and be like, oh man, Connor has made this person poor. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I can yeah, definitely sure. say, say Connor has made this person a lot, a lot, a lot of money. You know what I mean? Um, so, and I also think that what Connor, you know, talking about, you know, paying my worth, look how many, look how much revenue I'm bringing in. I think a lot of athletes have seen that and be like, hey, you know, Sean O'Malley's a perfect example. It's like, pay me what I'm worth. Like, there's got to be a reason. Like, I'm putting all these butts in these seats. So, pay me what I'm worth. He, he said on his, his uh, podcast, I'm a big fan of Sean O'Malley. Shouldn't I? Yeah, me too. He's. Uh incredible um demetrius johnson thank you so much for joining me and um if you ever would like to appear on a, a uk podcast one sunday afternoon you are more than welcome to uh, join us on the danny batten fight show anytime but uh thank you so much for your time 
and uh, I really, really appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. No worries, man. Have a good night, and uh, thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.